You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning machine keeps turning death and hatred to mankind poisoning their brainwashed minds welcome to the anarchist world this week broadcast across australia on the national community radio satellite listen to the anarchist world this week australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse listen to analysis of local national international events to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Atticus World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. The Anarchist World This Week is produced by Kelly Whitworth. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, a radical radio. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, very simple, an archos without rulers. It's about creating a society without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people? Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve power, share power, possibly through direct democratic means, and the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. A very important concept when we're considering its budget week. So it's a very simple concept. Now, obviously, we are conservative people. What is more conservative than trying to conserve the planet, conserve the human race from the excesses which we see every day as people attempt to impose their will on others through inequalities in power and wealth. So if they tell you anarchists are radical, we're not. We may be radical in terms of the way we want to change things. I mean, you've got two options in life. You can wait underneath the corporate table and wait for the crumbs to be brushed off and then you can fight amongst yourselves for those crumbs. Or... You can saw a leg off the corporate table, watch the bread spill on the floor, and there's bread for everyone. It's a very simple analogy. Although we may be conservatives, it doesn't mean you may be conservatives in thought. It doesn't mean we're conservatives in terms of the actions which need to be taken in order to make those radical changes that are necessary. Now, talking about radical changes, I'd like to begin the program by welcoming my fellow suckers. Yep, this is a week for suckers. Budget 2023. Now, I was very interested at the beginning of the week. We saw these extraordinary figures come out from a number of the banks. Profits up by 20% in the midst of of increasing interest rates and inflationary pressures. And how have the big banks got their profits? Well, they've closed branches, fired staff, and more importantly of all, they have ripped 
you off. So the very moment that people are feeling pressure, the most economic pressure for decades in this country, at the very moment, and I'm not, I'm not saying obviously people on Social Security benefits have always been under pressure, but what we are now seeing is the wage slaves, the small business owners coming under increasing pressure. And as that pressure increases and people need to put their hands in their pockets and find that their pockets are empty, the very people who uh, regulate the financial sector or are part of the financial sector get fat on our suffering. Now, I'm not going to be mealy-mouthed about Budget 2023 because I see a glimmer. I see a glimmer of hope, not hope in the parliamentary system, not hope in the alternative Liberal Party masquerading the Australian Labor Party, thinking they're actually better managers of capital than the Liberal Party, which they are. But I see hope in terms of people beginning to think beyond the little limited envelope we're expected to think in. That's a pretty poor analogy, isn't it? A little envelope. Because we're expected to feel happy that the most exploited people, I don't like to use the word marginalised, you know, but exploited, have got a few extra bucks in their pocket. Now, I'm not happy about that. And I'm not particularly happy that the gas and oil industry has been asked to give up their lolly money. That's right, $2.5 billion. That's lolly money. It's like you going to the tuck shop when you're a kid with your five cents and get a packet of lollies. Well, this is lolly money for them. But I'm happy about the fact that we're in a surplus which is being created by this country's mineral resources. Hmm? Think about it. But there's one problem. One huge problem. When I see the little bit of money that has come through the Federal Treasury through the export of mineral resources, I begin to think to myself what a dumb stupid group of people we Australians have become. Hmm? I use the word we. Me too. All of us. We must be some of the most stupid, dumbest, ignorant people in the universe. And why do I say that? Here we have a little bit of money coming in to assist Australians who are under a little bit of pressure today, extra pressure, financial pressure, and we're happy. We're ecstatic. Think about it. Who owns the resources in the ground? Obviously, it's First Nations people and the rest of us who have the privilege of living on this land. These are our resources. Who is making heaps 
of cash from these resources. Corporations which we have given a licence to to exploit these resources on our behalf. And what do we get? What do our, our suckers, and that's the key word, we are suckers, what do our suckers get? We get a few crumbs pushed off the table in our direction as exports and profits increase and we're expected to be happy. The country, if one million children live in under the poverty line, the country where private charities raise money to send Australian schools to public schools, the country where you've got the right not to be racially abused but don't have the right to a roof over your head, this country is full of suckers and I include myself in that category. And I'll tell you why. Because if this country's mineral resources, the iron ore, the coal, I know it's a bad thing, coal, the uranium, that's another bad thing, the rare metals, the bauxite, the diamonds, the gold, you name it, were actually used for the benefit of the Australian people, we would not be suckers. We would be the envy of the known world, including Mars and the Moon. There'd be enough money flowing into the Treasury to fund a universal basic income or a living wage, if you want to call it that, for every human being on in, in their sovereign nation state. Think about it. Every human being. No more Department of Social Security. It's extraordinary. We could be living in the lap of luxury instead of working eight hours a week or twelve sorry eight hours a day twelve hours a day to make ends meet. We could find ourselves in a situation where wealth is fairly distributed in this country, but no, no. We're willing to wait for the crumbs being brushed off the corporate table. And we're all very happy that the country is in a surplus this year because of the revenue that's come from mineral exports. Now, they must think we're idiots. Well, they know we're suckers, but they must think we're idiots. I'll give you an, it's, it's a little bit like this, right? You've got a backyard, which is unusual these days, but you've got a backyard. You're an older person. You've got a backyard. You know, you're able to buy the quarter-acre block, you know, 50 years ago. You've still got this backyard, which the developers are eyeing off. And in this backyard, you've got a pot of gold. And you know you've got a pot of gold. But... You've decided 
that you want very little to do with the pot of gold, you're going to get your neighbours to actually dig up this pot of gold and flog it, and you're going to give your neighbours 95% of the profits. Well, you like your neighbours, don't you? And you're going to keep 5%. Well, that's what the mineral resource industry is like today. Think about it. We do have options. Now, for a long time, I thought the only way around this is through nationalisation without compensation. I can see you shrieking in horror. Nationalisation without compensation using the resources to assist First Nations people and the rest of us to live a life that we should be enjoying today which has been stolen from us by representatives who believe it's the status quo. Now, I'd like to remind the Alternative Liberal Party masquerading the Australian Labor Party that they may have a majority in every mainland state and in the Commonwealth of Australia, but the fact is the number of Australians who vote for the Australian Labor Party is decreasing. And the biggest thing that I think the federal election and state elections have demonstrated is the loss of the Labor Party heartland. Now, the Liberal Party heartland has been lost for another reason, but the Labor Party heartland has been lost because people can see the unfairness. They can't see a way forward. They can't see a way struggling against this. But people are beginning to wake up. Unfortunately, in Australia in 2023, we are led to believe that the person of a different colour speaks a different language, wears different clothes, has a different sexual identity, has a different sexual preference, different gender, you know, is the enemy. And there's a lot of Australians just fall into that trap thinking that if they resolve that issue, it'll all be hunky-dory. The fact is, the fundamental problem that we are, have not faced in this country and which uh, we continue not to face in the Commonwealth of Australia, where there is no Commonwealth, is the fact of the growing inequality that is occurring because of the structural issues that have occurred, because of the globalisation, corporatisation, privatisation and deregulation tsunami that has swept over this country and the rest of the world over the last 30 to 40 years. And nothing highlights this more than the fact that we have the right to not be racially abused, as we've seen with the AFL and in legislation, but you don't have the right to a roof over your head. You don't have the right to be able to educate the ki- your children in the way they should be educated. You don't have the right to have food on your table. You don't have the right not to be evicted from public housing, which has been privatised. 
and I'll speak about that in a minute. So anything that involves a change in the economic relationships which currently exist in this country, where the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and the 8% who have enough disposable income to be investors in this country, who are lauded by this country's investment-friendly taxation laws, you know, you don't have the right to actually ask for more. It's a little bit like David Copperfield asking for more. More? More? How dare you ask for more? You've got the right not to be racially abused. You have the right not to be persecuted, you know, by your fellow workers at work. But when it comes to basic, fundamental rights to shelter, to food, to security... Don't ask for that. That's asking for too much. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Now, a few little websites. Look, I'm not a great fan of the virtual world, it tends to stop people getting involved in the real world, okay? But I've been doing a number of uh, lectures on pivotal moments in Australian radical history. I've done three currently. If you want to access them, you can go to the YouTube channel, josephtoscano.nam, N-A-N-N-A-A-R-M, josephtoscano.nam, N-A-A-R-M, and they'll be there about an hour long. If you've got that time, well, look at these pivotal moments. Talking about that, next Wednesday, on the 17th of May, I'll be doing a lecture, or a presentation. Sounds better than a lecture, doesn't it? A presentation. About a pivotal moment in Australian radical history, which has basically been ignored totally, not just by the normal people who ignore this, but the radical left. The Victorian Land Convention, 15th of July to the 6th of August, 1857, and the consequences thereafter. Now, obviously, in any revolutionary or radical situation, the two main Slogans are land, which comes first, and liberty. In 1854, we had the liberty of the Eureka Rebellion. But nobody talks about the land question. How 720 squatters who had violently dispossessed the original inhabitants that had lived here for over 60,000 years during a 15-year orgy of destruction, murder, rape, dispossession, how they locked Victoria, 720 squatters. These aren't your normal squatters going into unoccupied homes, trying to get a a roof over their heads. These are real squatters. These are people that are funded by the land. These are the landed gentry. These are people that are funded by the rich and powerful. And what was the land squatted for? 
for sheep runs, to supply wool to the satanic woolen mills in Britain. Mm. And do you know about the, the big riot on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House on the 28th of August, 1860? Do you know about the Victorian Land Convention? The Haynes Land Bill? Nicholson Land Bill? The big struggle over a decade for access to land in Victoria post the Eureka Rebellion? A much more radical period than the fleeting Eureka Rebellion. Well, then I encourage you to come along to the presentation, the Victorian Land Convention, Land and Liberty. Direct Democracy in Action, 15th of July to the 8th of August, 1857. And if you think there are no lessons that can be learned from the past, well, think again. Now, I'll be conducting this at next Wednesday on the 17th of May at the Footscray Hotel at 48 Hopkins, H-O-P-K-I-N-S Street, Footscray. Just turn up. You don't have to ring anybody to say you're turning up. Turn up, and if you can't make it, the uh, presentation will be videoed and the video will appear about a week later on a, a new YouTube channel which has been created in order to have these presentations available to everybody. The YouTube channel is a new... There are three presentations there now on Tanaminoi Mulbohina, the uh, role of the Paris Commune in radical the development of a radical uh, agenda in Australia and uh, the Anzac myth are the three that are there. You just go to josephtoscano.nam, N-A-A-R-M, josephtoscano.nam, N-A-A-R-M. So I encourage you to come along and uh, learn about this uh, wonderful period of Australian history. You know, it's enough to make your hair stand on it. I'll give you an example of how little is known about this. Fifteen years ago... 2007 when I did the original research into the Victorian Land Convention and I came across it when I was looking at uh, research about the riots on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House on the 28th of uh, August uh, 1860 which were riots about uh, bills which had been passed through Parliament to ensure the 720 squatters continue to monopolise ownership of the land as they tried to turn leasehold into freehold property. And the fact is that uh, when I went to this Victorian State Library to actually look at the minutes of the Victorian Land Convention, which are deposited in the Victorian State Library, they were brought to me, and I had to put on some gloves to go through them. And uh, guess what? Nobody had actually asked to look at these documents for over 70 years. Extraordinary. I'm sure now it's all it's all available uh, in the virtual world. If you go to the Victorian State Library, you should be able to access the Victorian Land Convention minutes from the 15th of July to the 6th of August, 1857. So... Extraordinary period in Australian radical history, unknown, unheralded, unrecognised, extraordinary impact 
on the development of radical thought, radical egalitarian thought, not just in Victoria but the rest of Australia. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You know, you can go to my Facebook page to see what's going on. Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the public. You can go to the public interest before corporate interest uh, webpage, pipsy.net. I encourage you, if you're distressed about the current situation and the fact that uh, we're all treated as suckers, well, I encourage you to join public interest before corporate interests. It's very easy. You can do it online. If you haven't got a computer, we can always send you out an application form. Pipsy.net. Doesn't cost you anything. P-I-B-C-I dot net. What I've been surprised at is the lack of interest. People think, no, no, not another political party. Well, sometimes, as you'll see with the Victorian Land Convention, things can change. So pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, well-engineered page. Very easily, you can access things quite easily. Now, oh, on the weekend I was at a medical conference. And uh, not talking about healthcare that is fair equitable and non-discriminatory. Fair, equitable and non-discriminatory. And I'm thinking to myself, how can you have health care that is fair, equitable and non-discriminatory if you've got a two-tier system? When I'm talking about a two-tier system, you've got private health care and you've got public health care. Private health care, private health insurance is subsidised by the federal government to the tune of about $7 billion a year. And about 48% of Australians have private health care. Most of them have private health care because if you earn more than so much, you it is mandatory to have private health care. And if you don't take it out, you get charged in your taxes. You know? Now I'm thinking of private schooling, public schooling. Private health care, fair, equitable and non-discriminatory. Well, the private sector cannot provide health care that is fair, equitable and non-discriminatory because it is a profit-seeking system. And many problems related to the National Disability Insurance Scheme are not related to the fact that people have disabilities and they need care and access to equipment. But the fact is that the National Disability Insurance Scheme is dominated by private interests who are charged an extraordinary amount of money to provide basic services to people who've got an NDIS package, as we see in the aged care sector. Now, we live in a society where money buys the health, best health care possible. Unless you have a catastrophic injury 
and you turn up in a very well-functioning public intensive care situation or trauma unit. Because the fact is that the private sector, as far as hospital care is concerned, cherry-picks. That's right. Cherry-picks the more profitable cases and the rest of the cases are pushed into the realm of the public health sector. And a taxpayer carries the can. Now, if you're involved in the private health sector and you haven't got any insurance, or even if you've got insurance, you still find that your out-of-pocket expenses can be quite extraordinary. So you really can't have a private health sector providing fair, equitable and non-discriminatory care. It may be able to provide non-discriminatory care if you've got the money. I mean, money talks. But is it equitable to provide money, taxpayers' money, to the private health care system? Is it equitable to provide billions of dollars to the private education system while children who cannot access the private education system because their parents haven't got the money to buy the best health care available, I mean the best education available, having to rely, if they're one of the one million living below the poverty line, having to rely on private charities to send you to a public school. Hmm? That's Australia. 20 23. It's a joke, isn't it? It really is. One of the richest places on the planet with the minuscule population compared to many other places on the the planet finding itself in the situation where you have people having to live in tents in capital cities because there's no accommodation which they can afford. There is accommodation, but no accommodation they can afford. Well, you've got private charities, and I know harp on this, raising money to send Aussie kids to school, so there isn't any money left to help kids that are starving overseas. I like that one. That's almost good enough for a comedy segment when you think about it. Think about it. Rich country like Australia. One million children living in poverty. Private charities, and I've got nothing against these private charities, I think they're doing what they can, raising money to send Aussie kids to public schools which should be a free education available to all. And at the same time, you see other charities trying to raise money for war-torn areas, starvation, inadequate health care, save children around the world. And obviously there's a limit to the amount of disposable income that people have to do that. Extraordinary. Just extraordinary. You know? Look, I've been around a long time. I'm a septogenarian. You like that? Sounds almost sexy. A sex... Septo, not a sexer. Septogenarian. Right? And if you told me 50 years ago, well, 55 years ago when I embarked on this activist trail that things would be like this in 2023, I would laugh in your face. 
so why? Why is it so, said the Professor Julius Sumner Miller, for those of you old enough to remember Professor Julius Sumner Miller. Why is it so? You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. I'd just like to remind you that National Reconciliation Week starts on the 20, Saturday the 27th of May and ends on Mabo Day on the 3rd of June 2023. Uh, now, my late wife's foundation, the Alan Jose Memorial Foundation, it will be involved in a number of activities uh, during Reconciliation Week. We'll have those activities up on the website soon. But they involved a flag-raising ceremony at Bayside City Council where the Alan Jose Memorial Foundation uh, awards a number of prizes to primary and secondary school children in the Bayside region who have been involved in a competition based on reconciliation through their eyes. Ellen always said to me, adults in this country will never reconcile. We need to rely on the children. And these awards are part of that. And I'll speak more about that a bit closer to the day. And also like to remind you, Marbo Day, 3rd of June, midday. Uh, once again, we'll be having a little congregation at the uh, Federation Square underneath the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flags here at the corner of Swanson and uh, Flinders Street. So put that in your diary, National Reconciliation Week. And obviously there'll be activities across the country regarding National Reconciliation Week. Now, retain, repair, reinvest. Retain, repair, reinvest. I'm sure over the last few weeks you've had enough of me talking about Margaret Kelly, who's been evicted from the Barrack Beacon Public Housing Estate, which is on prime real estate in Port Melbourne, and the estate is going to be demolished. Most of the 250 residents have now been left and placed in alternative accommodation, and it's going to be rebuilt. And you think, hooray, a public housing... Sorry, boys and girls, sorry. It's going to be given... Public land is going to be given to a private investor who's going to be asked to build 350 units, mainly one-bedroom units. Currently, there are 89 two- and three-bedroom units, which you know are housing over 200, were housing over 250 people, and 100 of them will be social housing. Now, just in case you haven't realised the difference, the only people that have realised the difference are the Australian Greens. I give them a tick, a big tick. Listening to their leader, Mr Adam Bant, talk about public housing and not use words like social housing, affordable housing, community housing, inclusive housing, and whatever else you like to call it, was a breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. So what is the retain, repair, reinvestment movement? Who is Margaret Kelly? Why has she been evicted on the 16th of May? What can you do tomorrow on the 11th of May to assist Margaret Kelly? Well, for the last six years, Defend and Extend Public Housing and Public Housing Everybody's Business has been holding weekly vigils on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. 
In 2018, we had a 10-day occupation just before the state election where we placed enough pressure on the Victorian state government. I actually, as part of that campaign, I stood against Mark Martin Fole in the electorate of uh, Albert Park. This was 2018, not 2022, 2018, and uh, on the, on the uh, platform of public housing. Now, we put so much pressure on the Victorian state government that they promised to build a 1,000 new public housing units. It was a promise, but never on it, obviously. Now, we've been like um, plovers. We've been standing on the... Uh, steps of the Victorian Parliament House with our little banner which says that, you know, if you use stamp duty, which is about $6 billion every year, to spot purchase around, as well as building around the state, you can actually house 100,000 Victorians in public housing a year, a million. A million in a decade. Now, like, uh, you know, plovers, we've been walking around, no interest. Minimal interest. Obviously, the public loves it. People beep. They say, good on you. Hello. Blah, blah, blah. But as far as the government is concerned, they have continued, that's the Victorian state government, on their privatisation of public housing agenda. They've got the big build. The big bill. It's usually the bill, the big con. So, where does Margaret come into this? Well, Margaret has been involved. She's lived on the estate for over 25 years. And if you want to know more about Margaret's life, if you go to 3cr.org.au, Radical Australia, and put in uh, the name Margaret Kelly, I did a one-hour interview with her last week regarding the situation she finds ourselves in, right? And now Margaret is made of sterner stuff than most of us. She's 68. She's a disability support pensioner. She wasn't an adult literacy teacher before she retired. Uh, she uses a buggy. She's, uh, uh, she's been a resident of the Barrack Beacon estate for over two and a half decades. And what she wants is very simple, exceptionally simple. She wants a little chat with the Honourable Mr Colin Brooks. I think he was a former member of the Electrical Trade Union before he got his little seat in Parliament, but I could be wrong and I may have to apologise to the Electrical Trades Union. And she wants a little chat about the reason why she's been evicted and why the Victorian State Government has embarked on this privatisation program which has led to the evictions of thousands and which will lead to the privatisation of almost every part of the public housing sector in this country. I mean in Victoria. And she wants to talk to him about a, a different concept called retain, repair, reinvest. Now as far as the Barrack Beacon estate, it could be retained, it could have been expanded, you could have even repaired it. And currently the Victorian State Government, and don't tell me I'm lying because I have a lot of people in public housing contact me, the Victorian State Government is involved in a program of not repairing estates that are earmarked for privatisation. It wants us to think that the public housing tenants are 
somehow responsible for the disrepair of those public housing estates. So Margaret's seen us perched like plovers on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, approached us about a month ago, I think four to six weeks ago, for a bit of assistance in order to get an appointment with the Minister for Public Housing. Not the monkeys, but the organ grinder. She wants an appointment with the organ, organ grinders. The monkeys have been knocking on her door and they've even had a meeting last week with her you know, trying to obfuscate the situation and confuse her. But she doesn't want to speak to them. She has spoken to them and it's getting nowhere. She wants to speak to the organ grinder, Mr Colin Brooks, the Honourable, I keep forgetting the Honourable Mr Colin Brooks, the Minister for Housing, Victorian Minister for Housing. The very Honourable, no, he's not very Honourable. Uh, I think that's the Premier. I get confused. They're honourable. They can be very honourable. They're never dishonourable. Let's not, let's not get into that debate, right? So she approached us for assistance. We said, well, why don't we try to get the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC to take an interest in your situation and what's happening in the public, health sec- in the public housing sector? Because they're all agog with stories about homeless people 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 living in tents, people sleeping on the streets. But guess what? There's really no debate or interest in public housing. And if there's ever any discussion with anybody in that sector, it's not public housing. It's about social housing, affordable housing, inclusive housing, community housing, and the list goes on and on. So we said, Margaret, look, we're a minuscule, piss-weak organisation, but we'll do what we can to help you. We'll see if we can get the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC, not that we call them that to their face, because we want them to come, to come along to a media conference, which Margaret Kelly will be doing tomorrow. After a short introduction from yours truly, Joseph Toscano, for public interest before corporate interests, Margaret Kelly will be speaking about the retain, repair, reinvest strategy, which should be applied to public housing, the plight of many other people in a similar situation to her, and she'll say a few words about her own plight. Because the dilemma is, people say, why don't we see public housing, you know, tenants on the streets because they are shit scared of being evicted and that's the thing the state government has the power to evict them and it does evict people and it does evict people who open their mouth once or too often right so it's up to us those of us who have a secure roof over our heads to assist people like Margaret Kelly, to assist her to get her message across to the Australian people about what's happening to the public housing sector, how, like the NDIS, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, it's been manipulated by private housing interests that masquerade as providing housing for the marginalised, the dispossessed, 
not the exploited, but the marginalised and dispossessed. So tomorrow, which is the 11th of May, that's the 11th of May, from around 11am, people were gathering, That, and I'm, when I'm talking about people, I'm talking about you, those of you that got secure housing, will be gathering on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House from around 11am to hear Margaret Kelly speak at 11am, sorry, 11.30am, to hear Margaret Kelly speak at 11.30am, media conference, at least you'll be there, and then at midday we'll accompany Margaret down to the Minister's office at 50 Lonsdale Street, Melbourne, to ensure that the Honourable Colin Brooks, the Minister, the Victorian Minister for Housing, the organ grinder, actually has a little chat at some stage, very soon, because Margaret's going to be evicted, with her about the current situation. So, I'll go through it again. From 11am, we gather on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. 11.30am, Margaret Kelly will be doing a media conference. Midday, we'll walk down to 50 Lonsdale Street to assist Margaret to get a meeting. Now, obviously, obviously, we don't expect anything. We expect nothing. But what we do expect is that other Victorians, other people from around the country, will come to the aid of people like Margaret Kelly, who find themselves in this insecure situation after decades of secure accommodation because of some ideological whim from some government that's all it is, an ideological whim. So if you're going to any gathering, protest, vigil, whatever you like to call it, in 2023, this is the one we would love to see you at. Gathering on the steps of the Parliament, Victorian Parliament House in Spring Street at around 11am. Media conference at 11.30am by Margaret Kelly. Walk down to 50 Lonsdale Street, which is less than a kilometre away, at midday. That's Thursday, the 11th of May. Come and join us. And one last little request. Wear your Sunday best, boys and girls. Wear your Sunday best for this. I'll be wearing my pink shirt, nice tie and suit. And possibly even nice shoes. Who knows if I can find them. So, but on a serious note, this is an important issue because the only way people like Margaret Kelly are going to be able not to be evicted willy-nilly because of a privatisation agenda is through people like you and me, especially you, shaming the government through the mass media, shaming the government to do the right thing, not just by Margaret Kelly, but the thousands of Margaret Kelly who face eviction and relocation of what's in what's left of the public uh, housing sector in the state of Victoria. Now, obviously, different state governments have different attitudes to public housing. 
some of excellent attitudes, some like the Victorian state government have disgusting attitudes. But ultimately, ultimately, as I said before, the ball is in your court. We've created the theatre. We now need the patrons. The only difference is that for this theatrical extravaganza, you don't need to pay to get in and you don't need a ticket. You just need to turn up. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast across Australia, as I said before, by the Community Radio Network. Look, if you want to have any chat, leave a message on 0439 395 489. You can email me at info at You can join public interest before corporate interest by going to pipsy.net. You can go to the Facebook pages, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Public Housing, Everybody's Business, and the list goes on and on and on. But the reality is virtual stuff doesn't go anywhere. You can click as many buttons as you like. You can like as many things as you like. You can see how many YouTube videos as you like regarding dogs without heads. But the reality is what changes everyday reality what changes legislation is feet on the streets feet on the street it's always been like that since time immemorial and it'll continue to be like that and if there are a thousand people there tomorrow for margaret kelly well and good if there are a hundred people tomorrow well and good if there are 50 people tomorrow well and good if there are 10 people tomorrow well and good Because we work with who's there on the day, not the virtual world, which in my opinion can be a waste of time in a limited life. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia. Now, I think for the final topic, and you can follow this up on some of my YouTube presentations, go to Public Housing Everybody's Business, it's about... 200, over 200 YouTubes there on various topics. And everybody is jumping up and down regarding artificial intelligence, all right? But something that we haven't really looked at as a community is genetic engineering. And the YouTube uh, will go up this week or next week will be about genetic engineering. Now, genetic engineering is fascinating. It really brings brave new... Huxley's Brave New World into our lounge room, if you call a lounge room. Because things have become so sophisticated, we are now in a position where we can, and, and we are seeing it happen, in a position, if you've got enough money, it's a little bit like private health care, if you've got enough money, enough disposable income from exploiting other people, you can actually have a genetically engineered child. Remember the Epsilons in Brave New World who used to do the dirty work and that's the way that was going to be for the rest of their life because of the brain alterations which occurred during their uh, development? Well, we don't have to be so crude today. I mean, Huxley in the 60s when he did Brave New World didn't understand 
genetic engineering, we can actually change genes. We've already seen changing genes in utero in order to prevent certain disabilities. But now, as we've seen with cosmetic surgery, now we're moving across to a period where people with resources can actually genetically alter the DNA of their children to create the child they've ever, they've been dreaming about. So artificial intelligence is an issue, but to me, genetic engineering is a greater issue because historically, those who exercise power, those who rule us, have relied on us seeing them as different, as we saw with young Charlie recently. There was a group of people in South America that used to bind their babies' heads so they had pointed heads. This was the ruling class. In the Middle, e- in the Middle Ages, if you wore colour and you were a serf, you were killed. And the list goes on and on. I could go on and on. So I encourage you to um, have a look at that YouTube presentation. It should be up in about 10 days, genetic engineering. Because to me, that is a much, much, much more dangerous innovation than artificial intelligence. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to leave a message, 0439 YouTube channel, public interest before corporate interest, Joseph Toscano, uh, dot nam. The Anarchist World this week, Twitter, at Anarchist3CRAM. Oh, there's a little square. At Anarchist World this week. Instagram. Instagram. Oh, we even have an Instagram page at Anarchist World this week and Facebook at Anarchist World. And always, you can always, it's podcast. You can go to 3cr.org.au, go to Anarchist World this week, and uh, there it is. Now, hopefully a few of us, a few of you will be turning up to the action tomorrow. Start congregating at 11 on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. That's the 11th of May, Thursday, 11.30am, media conference by Margaret Kelly, to which you and I will be the backdrop. Midday, we'll walk down to 50 Lonsdale Street, Melbourne. That's 50 Lonsdale Street, Melbourne, to see the organ grinder the Honourable Mr Colin Brooks. Well, to actually get an appointment. Margaret's been trying to do this for two years since she knows she's been evicted, but no luck. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week on The Anarchist to The Anarchist World This Week. Minds at blood destruction Sorcerer of death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Brainwash minds. Oh, larger.
Are you a 3CR subscriber? We really need our listeners to subscribe to the station. It helps us remain financially independent and is an important part of our community governance. It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation and $300 solidarity. Become a 3CR subscriber today. 3CR Radical Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.